You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside and outside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. I am Dave Griffiths alongside Joe Hopkins here in the studio and Mike Chappell joining us from what looks like Narnia behind him in his uh, Zoom background. You know, I, I, I just noticed you could do that, so we may start finding backgrounds that take me away. Yeah, there you go. Well, I could I could take a picture of the studio here, and you could use that and try and like pretend like you're here with us. I'll make it my own. Okay. <laughs> Big show on tap for this Colts Blue Zone podcast. We'll hear from Colts head coach Frank Reich and also new quarterback Philip Rivers at training camp doing their strength and conditioning and walkthroughs this week before helmets are allowed next week, and then contact and full pads the week after. Uh, a couple players we'll discuss uh, for the Colts. We'll go into our top 10 Colts for the uh, 2020 season in terms of like if you had to, Joe, put put Madden rankings on these guys, who would your top 10 Madden ranked Colts be uh, entering this season? And we'll we'll first start, though, with the news and the news this week as um, the biggest topic across the NFL is opt outs and which players are choosing to opt out for the 2020 season. The deadline, Thursday at 4 o'clock, as we tape this episode, we are quickly approaching that deadline. So I, I'm, I'm leaving the possibility, uh, Mike and Joe, that there could possibly potentially be more names added to this list. But as of right now, and I, I, I would bet uh, more on the side of this is done than this is not, there are three Colts that are opting out for the 2020 season. And one we knew uh, from from earlier, Sky Moore, linebacker, had said that he was going to opt out. And then just uh, just a short time, uh, I think yesterday, when uh, Coach uh, Frank Reich on Wednesday announced that uh, both Marvell Tell and Roland Milligan also would be opting out of the 2020 season. And and from this list, uh, Mike, I think the the obvious one that sticks out among these three is Marvell Tell, the second-year uh, defensive back, cornerback, out of uh, USC, was a safety in college, transitioned to corner, saw a good more amount of playing time as the season went along last year. He was a bit of a project guy as a fifth-round pick that they wanted to change from safety to corner. But I think he had the opportunity to be uh, certainly in the dime package for the Colts consistently this year. And who knows, maybe uh, how Xavier Rhodes' season would go or the second year of Rocky Scene would go. Uh, but he definitely had the potential to work his way consistently up into the nickel package with uh, if he kind of stood out at the beginning of the year. So I think losing Marvell Tell is losing a guy out of these three that out of these three certainly would have we expect to have seen the most playing time in 2020. He was probably the fourth corner, uh, he or T.J. Carey. Uh, but you need depth. You need you need five probably good bodies there. And and again, this was I thought you used the word project. He, he was a development because you know again he was he's switching positions. That's a better came word. On, yeah. Came on stronger. So he whether he would have beaten out Xavier Rhodes, I think maybe you hoped he would maybe. But uh, he, he's the biggest loss because he had a chance to really be involved Joe, we, uh, in what it does before you've stepped on the field. Yeah. You're cutting into your depth. Anytime you lose players, you're cutting into – I shouldn't say depth because another body will take his place. You, you're cutting into people who, who've had experience and who you really had a good handle on. So all three of them hurt. Marvell Tell really hurts. Joe, losing both Tell and Milligan, uh, th there's going to be some opportunities now for some people that were a little bit further down the depth chart, though, uh, who could, uh, who will potentially make this team. I, 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 when I was looking at the roster preseason, I had Tell. He was the only guy of these three making the 53-man roster, honestly, if I looked at it. Milligan had a little bit ways to go, but he has seen time for the Colts in the past. Sky Moore, kind of the same position, had a tough hill to climb if he wanted to make a final 53-man roster. But uh, certainly, if you lose Tell, you lose um, – that gives more people more opportunity to, to work into that place and see more playing time this year who haven't had that playing time in the past. Yeah, Chapel mentioned D.J. Carey, and he kind of slots in as your at least theoretical fourth cornerback now, um, somebody that the Colts had brought in to kind of play more inside. So um, I was really disappointed to see Marvell Tell opting out. Obviously, you respect the decision, and you know you don't know what personal reasons they have behind it. Um, but I, I was really hoping that he would challenge Xavier Rhodes for that starting spot. You know, you always kind of root for the young ascending player, um, whereas Rhodes is, you know, stopgap at best. So th this is definitely 
a, a loss for the Colts, but compared to some other teams out there, it could be a lot worse. The Colts did have a decent well, number. One, of people. Thing, Go ahead, Mike. No, one thing we need, we need to really, I, I wish fans being fans w- would quit doing is criticizing these players when they opt out as being soft or, or whatever. Some players opt out for, I mean, you opt out for whatever your reasons are. You have health reasons. You've got a wife at home. You've got a family. You've got grandma, whatever. But keep, one thing to keep in mind on these three players, there's no given these guys are going to play eight years in the league at all. What's the average career? Two, three and a half years? So th- these players are opting out to not play this year with no guarantee at all that they come back next year with a roster spot that they can earn. So uh, th- these are not easy decisions. And we can talk about Anthony and Costanzo maybe being a little different. But these guys, they're all 25. I think is it, one of them's 23. Is it tells 23, I think. So th- these were not easy career decisions by these guys. Yeah, players get a $350,000 stipend if they are deemed to be in the high-risk category, or you get a $150,000 advance on uh, your 2021 salary if it's considered a voluntary opt-out. And that's a uh, an advance, again, that uh, players would have to pay back in 2021. Um, as I said, deadline today at 4 p.m. Uh, you, you mentioned Anthony Costanzo. And uh, he he was uh, pretty honest with the media earlier this week, saying he considered opting out. Philip Rivers was the exact opposite, basically said he never considered opting out. He never got to that point. Um, but th- those are two guys on on the the on the back half of their career um, that that have at least addressed this so far. We'll, we'll discuss Costanzo a little bit more in depth, saying he took a long, hard look at the possibility of opting out. He says, you want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. But seeing all the precautions that are in place, weighing things out. It made sense to go with the go forward with the season and, and see what happens. So deciding that he has there's a really good team. It's an exciting season coming. It's something he wants to be a part of. So um, just just seeing what what the Colts have instituted and Mike, uh, you can we can all speak to this, but there, there are going to be few safer places to be perfectly honest than inside than strictly inside a uh, an NFL facility. There's the danger is going back and forth and being around people who are in other places. But I think it seems like with everything that NFL facilities have in place and everything, every professional sports facility, specifically what they are doing, they are very safe places for people. The, the, the danger come, comes elsewhere. And at least that's what it seems to me. And, and Costanzo in this position, uh, he, he's weighed the, the positives and the negatives. And he says that, uh, that he is willing to, uh, he's, he's willing to play this year and uh, is looking forward to it. Yeah, and we've talked about, and I'll, and I'll, I'll keep saying, I, I don't know why the Colts went against their normal training camp routine in at least for a month having players at a to where you can much, much better restrict or control who they're in contact with, which would basically be their, their teammates. Sending guys home, you know, you, you're, just, you're just sort of hoping you don't have any knuckleheads doing knucklehead things. But you're right. They're, the most safest place in Indy right now, outside of a hospital, not, maybe not even a hospital, because you got sick people in the hospital, is the Colts complex where players were tested, had to have three negative tests before you enter the building. And now you're tested. And they've only had the two players test positive. Two players on the list. I'm assuming they tested positive, but they could have been contact uh, players. So you don't know. But I think I've seen league-wide, is it 56 players have tested positive? There's more on the list. There's like 90-some on the list, but the, the, the NFLPA said only 56 players tested positive. One, two percent of the of the NFL population, which is pretty impressive, but you'd be hard-pressed, like you said, to find a more safe working environment than the Indiana Farm Bureau Center. So if you want to hear a little bit more about what Anthony Costanzo said and also Darius Leonard earlier this week, Joe, you got something going online for the people if they want to kind of dive a little bit deeper into what those two guys had to say. Yeah, so we'll have a bonus episode like we did last week. That'll have um, 
Costanzo and Darius Leonard's full media discussions on there. And coming up in a little bit, we'll hear from head coach Frank Reich and Philip Rivers as well. So be sure to stay tuned for that if you're waiting to hear what coach and QB have to say. Some other notable players across the league have chosen to opt out after we uh, taped last week's show. Those include Jets linebacker C.J. Mosley. Uh, he, he's a guy that Colts fans might know as a, uh, basically the guy who took the Pro Bowl from Darius Leonard his rookie year. Uh, no, no disrespect to, to CJ, but at the same time, uh, Darius was uh, very upset, we will say, <laughs> about <laughs> still uh, is. He, he still yes, he, he still is. If you've seen his shoes, Mike, for, for this year, his cleats, my goodness, this is a man who, who hangs on to those th- that negative feedback that he gets. It, it, it's funny. So many players say, I don't read stuff. I don't pay attention to what you guys write. Well, something negative and you'll, but Darius Leonard, Anthony Costanzo hasn't been on Twitter for five years. He told us, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Darius Leonard goes home from the complex and he looks at everywhere he can find uh, Twitter, Instagram, whatever to find haters. And what, what is his cleats have? No 2018, Bowl, his Madden ranking this year, 85, and on and on and on. Hey, if it works, it's like, like Frank Wright said, if it works for you, knock yourself out. Uh, but it worked for Robert Mathis. It got Robert Mathis into being a Hall of Fame-worthy player. So if it works for you, knock yourself out. Outside of C.J. Mosley, some other players to opt out include Arizona Cardinals offensive tackle Marcus Gilbert. So uh, Kyler Murray get ready to run around a little bit this year. Uh, Denver offensive tackle Juwan James. So Drew Locke be uh, be ready to run around a little bit this year. And uh, also former Colt, now Jacksonville Jaguar defensive tackle uh, Al Woods, a guy who uh, I think uh, we, we certainly respect uh, the heck out of Al Woods. I remember his time in Indy. He was always a great sound by very professional in the locker room. And he was a guy that Chris Ballard. I don't, I don't remember if Chris Ballard singled him out last year when he was talking. About I think he did. Room. Yeah, I think he. I thought he did, too. I didn't want to say it for sure. But when he was talking about just the kind of a lack of leadership on the defensive side of the ball, that might be putting it a little bit stronger than Ballard said. But he did say that they were seeking leadership on the defensive side. And guys like an Al Woods or a Mike Mitchell, just that that voice was lacking. So uh, another another opt out today, uh, former Colt Rashawn Melvin from the Jaguars. Mm -hmm. So and again, there's going to be some tough decisions. And again, the one thing to keep in mind on these opt outs, once you do it, you're done. You can't you can't come two weeks later and say, hey, you know, I'm thinking different about it. So th- these are difficult career decisions by young guys in a business that careers aren't very. We also discovered this week that Philadelphia Eagles head coach Doug Peterson had tested positive for the coronavirus. And the Eagles say he's asymptomatic and doing just fine. But uh, at the same time, Mike, this brings up the uh, the idea that, hey, your head coach could test positive and then he has to leave the facility for the next uh, two weeks or until he has a couple of negative tests. So who would the Colts interim coach be, Mike, if Frank Reich has to miss time? Probably Matt Eberflus, I think. Uh, I, I, and that's not a knock on Nick Sirianni at all or, or the special teams goes in Trion. I, I just think they, I just think that's the way they look at Matt Eberflus. Uh, and, and the one thing to keep in mind that that if that would happen to Frank, I would assume he still has total access to any Zoom meetings, any Zoom contacts. So, so it's not like he's go to your basement for two weeks and we'll see you when you test negative. So they can have contact. But, but at the same time, you're not on the field. You're not in, in the meetings with players. And this is the time they're already playing catch up on, on walkthroughs, on trying to get things installed. So losing a coach and what they've done is he went down and and we'll hear on his his interview they went down and mapped out if if everybody from the head coach to the quality control guys are missing what happens and that's what teams that are pretty smart maybe I'm sure all teams do this but you have to you have to prepare for the worst you simply have to uh, because if you don't you're not prepared for it so they've got things in place uh, and, and one thing that's interesting is Frank only shared this with his three coordinators. He didn't want everybody. And, and what he doesn't want is that whoever, as he said, the next man up is to acted by what's going on. But it only to, to clue in the people who are right there. So this is another case of, like most teams, I'm sure have done. But it's a it's it's a case of preparing 
for what if so that you're not scrambling when what if happens. Yeah, Joe, uh, Frank Reich, uh, when he was asked this question, he basically said, yes, it's been discussed. No, I'm not going to tell you. But I did talk. I, we talked things over with with the three coordinators. So at least the people at the top of the food chain uh, are comfortable knowing what's going to happen if if the worst could happen, that Frank Wright could could not join the team for a little while. Yeah, yeah, and that makes sense as to why he wouldn't want to tell everybody, but maybe the people Come on. who be, could become head coach. You know, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, and I think Eberflus is the obvious guy. Um, if you had to guess, I, I remember he had head coach buzz after the 2018 season where he really fixed up a defense that didn't have a lot of talent and the talent they did have was usually, you know, rookies and younger players. Um, that buzz mostly went away after last year, the defense fell apart down the stretch, but I, I think Iberflus would have the team, the team would be in good hands if right went down for a couple weeks. More around the league, the uh, Las Vegas Raiders announced on Monday in an email to fans that they plan to hold 2020, the 2020 season without fans at uh, Allegiant Stadium. So welcome to Las Vegas. You get no fans, Los Angeles Raiders. Sorry, guys. Um, back here closer to home in Indy, Indianapolis Motor Speedway announced on Tuesday that the Indianapolis 500 will be held without fans. Um, it, Mike, it appears just the, the further we get toward the, the closer we get to the season, the more the dominoes start to fall, it, it just seems like stadiums with fans in the NFL will be the exception rather than the rule. If, in fact, any are able to hold fans in them this year, we, we will see. Yeah, I posted something today in my story today about Philip Rivers. Uh, he didn't play in empty stadiums last year, but weren't a hell of a lot of fans and a lot, not a lot of Charger fans. But uh, it, it's the Raiders and then the two, uh, the Giants. Jets have already said no fans. So I, I just think, I mean, isn't that where we're headed here in India? It's you look at the 500, they went to, from 50% to 25% to nobody. And, and things aren't going to get better. I'm not a medical expert, but things aren't going to get better in the next month. Uh, the one thing that I've always kind of stuck in my mind is the league has always, always talked about competitive balance and a level. That's why I remember no facilities in the offseason were open and, until they all were open. I just don't know how the league would allow 15,000 people in Seattle to picking a stadium and, and no fans in Vegas or Indy. And the advantage that a team would have playing at home with fans against teams playing an empty stadium. So I, I, I won't be the least bit surprised if the league says no fans and I, 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 I really think in the next month we're going to hear that. And here closer to home, the Colts have placed T Y Hilton on the active slash non football injury list. Uh, our own Mike chapel reporting that, uh, Hilton sustained a mild hamstring injury while working out on his own when he was away from the complex. So, uh, Joe, he can be added to the active roster as soon as that injury is healed. But I know there's, there's a, there's a, I'll put it this way. There is a misinformed throng of people on Twitter who will say, oh, T.Y. Hilton injured again. But uh, nevertheless, this is another injury for T.Y. that kind of piggybacks on what happened at the end of last year, which was by far T.Y.'s worst injury year in his career. Is this uh, a level of concern for you as the 2020 season approaches? I would say a level of concern, sure, because now, you know, it, it's not like T.Y.'s been injury prone throughout his career. It's been the opposite. He's been extremely durable prior to last year. He never missed more than two games in a season. Um, but then, you know, he hits, I believe he's age 30 entering this year. Um, he's had the injuries last year, which was really his first injury plagued season, or at least the first time it really affected his play. He was hurt in 2018 as well. He just kept balling out. Um, but at a certain point, they keep adding up those those leg injuries, especially for a speed receiver who's on the wrong side of 30. It, it, I would say it certainly calls for concern, just the, the big picture, maybe not a mild hamstring itself, but everything all together is a little concerning. Mike, you agree? Yeah, I, I think Joe put it the right way. It's He's not injury prone, but these injuries at the, the last two seasons – if they don't raise a concern, you're, you've not paid attention. Again, he's 30. He's going to turn 31. I don't know whether it's November or, or what it is. So of, of all the players to see injured early, you hate it to be him. The only you know silver lining is that they're not going to be on the field 
doing serious stuff for another 10 days probably so but yeah it's, it's funny when, whenever they they put out the release that he's on the non-football injury list you think oh my goodness you know but 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 I, I do agree with Joe that not injury prone but but the last two years are not a great trend for for a, a player on the other side of the best of his career. I don't think any of us here on the Colts Blue Zone podcast are cashing in our T.Y. Hilton chips right now for sure. But but we definitely have our eye on them right now. And we're looking to see exactly how how everybody else plays the hand, so to speak, if we're continuing the metaphor. But um, so that that's the latest with the Colts as they continue with the strength and conditioning and walkthrough period of training camp. Uh, head coach Frank Reich and quarterback Philip Rivers spoke with the media earlier this week. Let's uh, hear a little bit from those interviews. We'll start with the Colts head coach. Here is Frank Reich speaking with the media at Colts training camp. Good to be back. You know, after two days, it's good to see the guys out in the field in meetings face to face. It's been good. We've had guys have been strong in workouts. Um, you know, every day we kind of split it up where we're in in some ways, our workouts have been better than ever because we're splitting them up into smaller groups to kind of keep the social distancing. And so really a lot of uh, good attention there for each player and just tweaking the schedule so that you can do that and overlapping things in, in a way that was you just have to be creative and make the most of it. And it's, it's worked out well two days into it, worked out a couple kinks there and then feel good. And then we're, we have good install meetings with the guys. Um, there's good energy in the meetings, uh, and then we get walkthrough. We get 60. We're in, we're in a stage right now where the rules are: we get 60 minutes of walkthrough. Our coaches are doing a great job of really maximizing that 60 minutes. Um, very efficient. Very efficient. Players are doing a good job. It's just walkthrough. So I mean, we're really it's we're it's walkthrough. So it's you know in the NFL, I mean, it's really light jog, um, but it's been good, productive. It feels good to see everybody back there on the field. Um, obviously, you've seen the opt-outs. We had Sky Moore yesterday, um, and then today we had two more. We had uh, Marvell Tell and Roland Milligan. Um, I've had communication with all of them. Uh, these guys are family to us, respect their decisions, personally support them, um, want them to stay, them and their families to stay safe and healthy, and uh, we'll maintain, maintain contact with all of them, but uh, you know, also understand their, their decision. Mike Chappell, go ahead. Yeah, you mentioned what you're able to do on the field, or you said you're on the field. So what, as far as how much, I guess, more up speed things can guys do now? Is, is Philip throwing with guys? or What's allowed as far as receivers, quarterbacks, and all that? Yeah, it's like phase one uh, modification with some modifications. So, yeah, they're out there throwing, but with no coaches. Um, so I haven't seen any of that. Um, I talk to I talk to Philip every day after the session and um, try to get a blow by blow. <laughs> it's funny you're so hungry to see the film. You know you're so hungry to watch these guys do it. Well, how did so and so look? Tell me what what throws did you throw? How did you throw? You know, tell describe it to me. You know, I mean, it's just getting a taste of it. Now it's fun. Um, I'm half kidding, but I, I'm actually serious. Uh, so yeah, they're working hard, um, but they're ramping up. I think. They're, they're doing that in a ramp-up phase and not going crazy. Olivia Ray. Hey, sorry, Charlie here in subbing in for Olivia. Coach, curious, the first time you saw Philip at the complex was, what was that interaction like? I know it's been a little while, but, uh, and I know it's been crazy. Anything to share on kind of the first time back with Phil? Yeah, no, it was actually kind of funny. He was in the weight room lifting and, and I walked by and he, and he said, hey, coach. And I just kind of glanced over and waved because I was someone was walking with me and I was talking to them. And and because Philip had a mask on, I didn't even recognize it was him. So, um, but yeah, no, it's great. Obviously, we got a great relationship. You know, when you work with a guy for three years um, and in this business, that's a long time. And you, 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 you get close, you, you grind it out, you go through some big, big time highs and lows together. And those, you know, there's something that's formed in battle there. There's something that going through those times together that brings you close. And I think we're seeing that here with our team here that, you know, now that we've been, <clears throat> excuse me, now we've been here together two full seasons as a team, we've had some pretty significant highs and lows as a team. I think like 
our DNA and the kind of players and coaches that we have, I just think every one of those moments, even the bad moments, when you got the right people, end up forming foundational uh, things in us as a team that help us go forward to this year. All right, Zach Kiefer. Frank, is, is it even possible to compare your job right now with last year's training camp, like a day-to-day basis? And, and what, are the, what are the things that are most different that are the most difficult to get used to in this new training camp world right now? Yeah, I mean, Zach, that's an interesting thought. I hadn't thought about it like that, but it's different. And um, so we're still so new into it, right? Only two days really into – I mean, it feels like it's been longer than two days because the rookies were here and and now we're in this phase where we got strength and conditioning. So um, it feels – in one sense, it feels like we're all in. We're working hard. We're getting a lot done. We're being productive. In another sense, until you're in pads, it doesn't really feel like you're in training camp. So um, I, I think I'll be able to give you a better answer than that as we go on and get in pads and, and get working with the guys in that way. All right, Joel Erickson. Frank, uh, obviously, Marvell and, and Roland, the decision is, is personal and medical. But um, from, from a football standpoint, um, does this create some some spots that guys guys to compete have to compete for now in the uh, in the secondary yeah it really does and you know that's that's good for the that's good for the team it's good for everybody competition really brings out the best in us um i just think this year it, the other side of it is if i'm a player this year more than any other year if you're a guy who is in a on a roster and you're not sure you know, you're looking at the depth chart and you're thinking, where am I at in the depth chart? Or how many reps am I getting this year more than any year? I just think more guys are going to get opportunities this year. And uh, that's why you really got to respect the guys that opt out. I mean, for the, for the personal reasons that they're opting out. Um, because, you know, because they're potentially missing an opportunity. You know, these guys probably going to play. These guys are good football players. We had three good football players who've opted out. But understandably so. So you respect those decisions. But this is a this is a year where we we're preparing like everyone on our team is going to play, um, and they need to be ready to play. And so, the way you get ready to play is compete, compete out of practice, compete against one another out of practice out there in that field that I'm looking at right now. So, that's what we're looking forward to doing. All right, George Bremer. Coach, you've had the rookies now in the building for a couple of weeks. Are there any initial observations that stand out? Yeah, I mean, guys, intelligence, it seems like a real smart group, really grasping the offense. Um, You know, you look at Jonathan Taylor and and Michael Pittman, you know, physically, two physically dominant-looking athletes. Um, So, you know, really excited about that. Uh, You know, Julian Blackman. Um, really seems, you know, obviously he's still in his rehab process, but, you know, you just, you get a good feel there. Um, and he's on PUP, so he can't do anything, but just hearing him, listening to him, just watching his body language, you just get a good feeling there. Um, Jacob's done a nice job and the rest of our draft picks have all, you know, really engaged and really learning. So feel good feel good about each one of them, but we know, I mean, we got to get the pads on and look forward to getting them reps out in practice and seeing how they respond to making a few mistakes out there. And once they feel the speed and power of the game at this level, that'll be fun to interact with them on, on that level. All right, Mike Wells. Hey Frank, how you doing? Um, first question I'm going to ask you is, um, obviously with, with Doug Peterson's situation, with really um, having to miss some time. What is the pecking order for your coaching staff if for some odd reason, which hopefully it doesn't happen, you had to miss some time? Yeah. Um, I've had long conversations, you know, with with our staff about that. Um, in particular, a long meeting with each of the coordinators. Um, and we've gone through and written down a plan for every position. So whether it's the quality control coach or whether it's the, a position coach or whether it's a coordinator or whether it's myself, um, you know, what's the, what's, the, what's the plan? And so we've mapped that out. We've written it down. Um, I've talked it through with Chris. And so that the, all those scenarios are covered. 
And then I want I want to follow up, and obviously I take it you you won't tell me who would who would take over for you, right? That's correct. Okay, but then I also wanted to follow up too and ask but, you. But Mike, uh, that is an interesting question. That's a fair question, and I'll share that. I don't mind sharing this with you guys, because um, I told the staff I said this was about a month ago, and maybe you'll find maybe you guys will find this interesting. I think it's interesting, so I'll share it with you. Um, like. It was an interesting decision. About a month or six weeks ago, when I was talking to the staff about this, I said, hey, we'll have a plan. Don't know what it, you know, we're in the process of working through it. I haven't decided yet whether I'm going to tell you, tell everybody on the staff what that plan is, because I don't want it to be a distraction to anybody. I don't want the person who's next man up to be thinking about that and to be distracted by that at all. And I realize it could be a distraction the other way as well. So after ruminating with that and wrestling that through, and then I talked it through with Chris and, um, and I just decided that I was going to tell the coordinators what the plan was. I'd map it out with the coordinators, but that was it. Um, not going to share with anybody else. Let's just go to work. And then it's all written down. It's all mapped out. We, Chris knows it. So we all know it and we'll move forward with that. That was Colts head coach Frank Reich and also quarterback Philip Rivers spoke earlier this week with the media. Let's hear from the new QB1 for the Horseshoe. Charlie Clifford, you want to get started off? Bill, thanks for the time today. Two quick ones for you. Number one, your dad and coach Creasy down in Athens, are they the folks that instilled this I love football mentality in you? It seems like everyone who's talked is raving about just your energy. And then two, did Reich really walk past you the first time he saw you in the weight room? Yeah, well, I, uh, you know, speaking to my dad and Coach Creasy, certainly those guys were, uh, guy, you know, my dad, obviously I was around every day, but uh, Coach Creasy, uh, you know, being around there, being around the team, being around those guys coaching. So certainly they coach with a passion and an energy. I don't know if they instilled it in me. I think some of it is a little bit, um, you know, you're born with it a little bit. And then I was around the environment and saw the passion my dad coached with. So certainly that helped mold that and, and uh, you know, kind of trigger some of those uh, early on passion for the game. Um, yeah, he, yeah, coach did. He walked right by. I, I, I think I kind of hollered. He kind of kept walking. He didn't, he didn't know holler at him, nor should he. I'm telling you, it's a little bit of a challenge in these masks and things that we're wearing. Um, uh, I, I feel like I got a better feel offensively, but still, still trying to get the defensive guys down. I try to wait to catch a catch a glimpse of them with their mask down in front of their locker, so I can see the nameplate. That uh, that helps, but uh, it's uh, it's been a good couple of days. All right, Stephen Holder. Hey, Phil, how's it going? Um, hey, it, it seems like just from my perspective that you guys have a, a lot of receivers with like different skill sets, like different types of guys. Um, maybe different strengths and so forth. First, do you agree? And secondly, if so, how does that impact your offense? In a, you know, I imagine in a positive fashion. Yeah, I think you're dead on with that. Um, you know, it's a deep, it seems like a deep group of receivers, and obviously it'll be a unique year in the in the fact that you won't have preseason games, won't have the joint practices where you, I just feel like you see so much in those. Um, so, uh, and then it's a unique year, as we all know, that who knows how the year's going to go and who's, which guys may be down and up, and you're going to need a deeper, a deeper roster uh, as they've allowed, you know, with the practice squad and all that. But uh, I, I think it makes you more dangerous. Obviously, you know, I've heard, you know, uh, Nick speak of, you know, T.Y., and, and obviously we know the player. He's been here, and, and I won't try to get into naming them all. I do know them all, but um, I, it's a deep group. I think when you have a diverse, deep group, it does make you harder to defend. It's not one of those deals where you have to, again, uh, you know, uh, we want to, you know, T.Y. is going to catch a lot of footballs. A lot, a lot of guys are going to catch a lot of footballs, but it's not a deal where you have to move T.Y. to the spot of where we think the ball is going all the time or move uh, Zach or move, you know, all those, uh, you know, Paris. It's, it's one of those deals where it's kind of like, hey, we don't know where the football is going. And, and it makes it harder on a defense when you're not uh, necessarily having to formation things for one particular guy. Certainly you call plays and orchestrate things where you think the ball is going to a certain guy. But when, when a lot of guys are getting it, uh, and it seems like such an unselfish group, and uh, when a lot of guys are getting it, and there's a lot of different diversity in kind of how they operate. You know, you have the speed guys. You have the, you have kind of the big bodied. You have uh, guys that are a little – you know, all the guys that are great after the catch. You kind of have a, a nice mix – I do think that that makes you tougher to defend and you don't have as many tendencies uh, as defenses begin to prepare for you. All right, Bob Kravitz. Hi, Phil. Uh, this is not meant as a smart, smart aleck question, but 
Um, this year, you're going to be playing in front of like 25% capacity, at least at last check. Uh, if there's anybody who knows what it's like to play in front of a very small crowd, it's you. What is that like for a professional football player? And what are some of the challenges that you think your teammates may face playing in front of a smaller group like that? Yeah, uh, I definitely got a little feel for it, a little feel for it uh, the last couple of years. Although, although it wasn't twenty five percent capacity, it was it was just it was just small. It was it was just about full, um, but maybe close to the same uh, numbers. Um, you know, it will be it will be different, and I think it'll be different for all of us. Um, I think really you you hear you hear teams and you hear players talk about it all the time. We don't care where we'll play. We'll play in the parking lot. We'll play in the backyard. You're gonna find out how true that is this year, you know, because it's gonna be a little more of that environment, I imagine. You know, I think it's gonna be new for all of us. I know uh, coaches mentioned trying to get over to the stadium uh, a few times in training camp to kind of feel that, uh, you know, get a little bit of a feel for that. Uh, but I think the energy um, is gonna to have to come from each other, you know, feeding off each other, and truly just that love to compete. And if guys need a little external motivation, I imagine it'll probably be the most most watched uh, most watched uh, NFL on TV of all time. I imagine so. Uh, if they need if they need that external little motivation to know who's watching, there'll be a bunch of them watching. So um, it's uh, it's going to be it's going to be different. But I think I think really more defensively probably affects defense more than offense. I, I say that really just from a communication standpoint. You think about it, it's kind of like having sixteen. Uh, home games in in terms of communicating, you know, it probably won't, it won't be any silent count. There's not going to be a lot of, you're not going to have to do a lot of signaling and a lot of screaming in the huddle where some of these tough road places you go, but defensively, obviously they aren't going to have that energy to, to feed off of and, and Lucas oil. So it'll be different. So I, I think it's one of those deals. Everybody's dealing with it in some regard, some at probably at zero capacity, some with, you know, 15,000 in there and we'll, uh, Shoot, we, we, we need to be the best, be the best at, at dealing with those kind of circumstances. Thank you. Mike Chappell. Yeah, Philip, you talked about how sometimes it's hard to recognize guys with masks. What's been your initial I, – I don't know if you need with, – with Quentin Nelson, he's sort of unique. What's been your initial interaction and impression of Nelson? Well, I think um, – I mean, obviously, I, I, you see it as a, from a player standpoint. You see it on the tape. You see it all over. Even well before I got here and started watching cut-ups, what an unbelievable player he is, first off. Uh, then you see the way he interacts in the locker room with the guys, and it, it seems you know he's a guy that guys like to be around. And then you start talking with him more and more, and you just realize how much he loves the game of football. The guy loves to play. I mean, we you know we had our first walkthrough, and um, it was the first time, really, you know, we did some cadent stuff in the Zoom meetings, but first time, you know, we're breaking the huddle and up at the line of scrimmage doing things. And, uh, you know, we didn't have a false start in day one. I was like, shoot, that's a good start. We didn't have a false start day one with, you know, new cadence and stuff. And we're walking out to practice, uh, walk through yesterday, and the first thing Quentin says, hey, let's get two days in a row now with the cadence, you know, no false. It's like, you know, little things like that. And again, that's not a big deal, right? But I just haven't been around these guys. I'm like, shoot, the guy's thinking about no more false starts here day two, you know, where he's – He's arguably the best lineman guard in football, and he could just be going, here we are day two, and I got this. But, uh, you know, guy wants to get better. He came in from, you know, big lift a few minutes ago, you know, dripping wet, you know, with sweat. And, um, you know, it seems like he, again, with that whole group, is uh, real, real tone setters, both on the field and seems like in the building, from what I can see. Okay, Michael Wells. Hey Philip, how you doing? Um, hey, I want I wanted to ask you um, as you see players opting out, and considering you have a large family, was there any consideration on your part of potentially opting out? No, there really wasn't. Um, um, I, 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 I no. I mean, I, I think that's the shortest answer I can give on the whole day. Uh, I don't I don't even know if I can ramble on that one. There just I, there wasn't any consideration. I think again, obviously the health and of my family and safety of them is utmost importance. But I just think, again, there's so many different, you know, I'm not going to pretend to be a, uh, an expert. Uh, there's so many different opinions and, and different reports on, you know, this whole thing uh, from a standpoint of, you know, children uh, being able to infect adults and adults being able to infect children. And some say no, some say yes, and this and that. And obviously there's always your outliers and tragedies that happen with young children and with all people, obviously, as this, as this virus has been throughout the country. But, um, 
I think like you like you're in a flu season or anything else from a standpoint of you just try to you know be smart and um, so I think as far as how we operate and and making sure we're we're doing the best we can um, I think that was really the that's kind of where we are from our family standpoint uh, but in terms of decide not to play it never got there uh, and, and and you know some of it some again that's the main reason I feel I feel like we got to trust and be thankful and be safe and do the best we can. The other reason is I think at this point, making that decision for me would have been making the decision to be done, period, you know, all, retiring, which which uh, is nowhere uh, on my mind. So uh, short, long, long, I found a way to ramble. But the answer is no. <laughs> Thank you. All right, Greg Doyle. Don't ramble on this one, Phil. This is not the real question. It's a small one, but yes or no, your parent, your kid's going to be homeschooled? Um, uh, not, no, we're not still not sure. Okay. We're still figuring it out. Okay. Then my real question, aside from noticing you must have lost your Nunk Weppy hat, is that I know you don't know these guys that Milligan, Sky Moore, and, and Tell, you don't know them, um, but what's your thought on the concept, not them, but just the concept the guy, of guys opting out? We've never been here before. Yeah, you know, nor have, nor have any of us. I, you know, uh, I think – you know, I think the league and the PA really did the best they could with coming up with that. You know, I think the best way, you know, with this is, you know, like, like you know, Mike, you asked about did, did I ever consider it? No. And so do I think someone that does consider it or someone that does opt out, do I think that they're crazy? No. I mean, you know, so I think it's really up to each person and their family to, to do what's best for them. You understand, you know, uh, the concerns that one may have, both with their own health, with their family's health, with the child, with the mother, with the, you know, who knows. So, um, I think the league and PA tried to do the best job they could, uh, you know, as far as contract tolling and obviously somewhat of a, uh, a payment up front. So um, it, it's interesting to see, I guess we're what at 50 plus, you know, now league wide, um, some heavier on some teams than others, obviously. So we'll see, you know, I think that, I think the, the uh, finality of it really was, is the, is the big thing, you know, because you never know when you make a decision like that. Uh, in a couple of weeks, sometimes you go, oh, man, I wish I was doing something. You know, I wish I wasn't. You know, so it'll be interesting to see how, how guys, if you hear from some guys that decide to, um, you know, how they um, feel about it in a few weeks. And some guys that maybe were thinking about it and didn't, if they wish they did, two weeks, you know, two weeks down the road. All right, we've got time for three more quick ones here. Zach Kiefer. Hey, Phil. I wanted to ask you about your new teammate, Jacoby Brissett, a guy you're going to work closely with this year. Um, to be honest, that could have been awkward. You come in as the new guy. This was his team last year. Um, how has that evolved? What have you learned about Jacoby? And in this strange season, if you go down for some reason, the Colts feel really good about having him there. Have you seen that in him in, in the few weeks you guys have been together? Yeah, so, uh, you know, uh, Jacoby's been great, you know, in the meetings and in the Zoom meetings and, and such. And he and I were obviously uh, have always been friendly. Obviously, spent a lot more time together in, in conversation in those meetings, and he, uh, we would text every now and then. Um, and then now being together in the building for now, you know, what we reported, I guess a week. You know, I don't know if we've been in there five days or so, more than that, a uh, week or so. And uh, I, he's been awesome. I mean, I really can't say uh, enough positive about uh, how he's been both. Uh, with this, you know, change, I guess, uh, I don't know another word for it, you know, or with me being here and just with also, um, you know, how he's just been, I mean, it just, it's, it's been, it's an impressive guy to be around the way he works and uh, way he works at it. And then just how helpful he's been, you know, with little things, here's how we signal this, here's how I usually said that, here's how I said this. And then the few things that, you know, that I've, I've you know, been like, gosh, I, 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 look, can we do this? Can we do that? And he's like, yeah, I'll learn it. You know, whatever, whatever's your most comfortable. So it's just been, he's been super uh, helpful, gracious. I don't, I don't know. All the, all the uh, positive, all the compliments I could give him, I, I would. And I've uh, certainly been appreciative. And then we've had a lot of fun, you know I mean? I, so I, 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 I want the relationship in the environment to be competitive and friendly and us to have a lot of fun. And we have, you know, it's still early. It'll just continue to grow, but um, he's been great and excited, excited to be in a room with him and, and be on the team with him. And as you mentioned, shoot, uh, this is a crazy year. Who knows what can happen? We're still figuring out some of the rules, you know. I mean, some of these close contacts, is a guy going to miss a game just because he was close to somebody, you know, on a Friday afternoon? Or, you know, who knows what could happen? Miss a game or two here or there. Uh, I can only imagine what that will feel like if that does happen. But, yeah, certainly having um, 
you know, him here and obviously the experience he has here and the, you know, the success he's had and the way he's played, it's got to be a real positive. So, B, go ahead with a quick one. Yeah, uh, thank you for your time, Philip. Uh, we talked to Anthony Costanzo and Darius Leonard on Monday, and they talked about your youthful exuberance and passion for the game. I think Leonard was nervous that maybe you had more juice than he did. Um, and you, you mentioned earlier influences on you. I'm wondering how much of that is just you being you and how much of that is you want that to be instilled in the locker room. You want that to rub off on guys that, hey, don't ever forget how much fun we have doing this. Um, yeah, I think it's probably a combination of a lot of that. I tell you what, uh, Darius, uh, he, he does bring a lot of juice daily. You see his energy in the locker room and in the, on the, on the, in the walkthroughs and in the meeting rooms last night. He was down the hall still going uh, there before we, we got out. So um, there's, a, there's a great deal of energy in the, in the locker room already. I think the biggest thing is, yeah, some of it, most of it is just me being me. I think you do, certainly don't want to force it. You don't want to ever feel like it, anybody to feel like it's fake. I, I really do still – I was excited to be here. I was nervous uh, Monday morning. You know, I, mean, I was a little nervous first time out there in a walkthrough, first time in a, you know, in the in the in the building like that with all with all of us here. Um, but I think you you do want to be yourself and be the and be the guy you've always been. But at the same time, I think it's also allowing uh, the environment and maybe what's needed, uh, or I should maybe need is not the word, but you know, fill out the environment you're in and fill out what role is needed from you and from a standpoint of that, from a leadership standpoint, from a juice standpoint. I mean, you know, I think it's rather, rather than saying, oh, this is how I do it. Uh, well, no, how do we do it here? And then, let, and then I can still be myself and then give, give what's needed. So I think that's the kind of where I'm at right now. And I feel like it's, you know, it's, it's right on track. Um, so certainly want to, to, I've always thought that leadership role is super important. I've always taken great pride in that, but at the same point, at the same time, you don't want to force something or try to be some way that's really not needed or may not be well received. Thank you. Stacy Dale's last one. Philip, it's great to see you. Um, both Chris and Frank have recently talked about how you're 17, you've had to maybe buy into a couple of different things in versus previous years. Um, Curious, like nutritionally, specifically what that is with the Colts this year and maybe with your workouts, some different things that you've had to buy into and they say that you are buying into. Yeah, I think, um, you know, probably just general, generally is the best way for me to describe it. I think it's just like everywhere. I think change, again, some, some, some part of change can be uncomfortable and then other parts of change can be invigorating. So I think it's a little bit of both. And I think with it being uncomfortable is an opportunity to grow. Uh, you know, you say year 17, you're still growing. I go, heck yeah, I hope so. I mean, I hope I can, I hope I'm still improving and can get better. Um, and that the same, you know, and so that's, that's one way from being uncomfortable. And then, and then with change or just new tweaks, you know, there's, there's some new exercises and, and different, um, you know, mobility, mobility stuff, shoulder wise, you know, uh, core wise that we did today that uh, I haven't done that were awesome, you know, and it's like, shoot, I need to stick with that. Some different stretches. I hate to stretch. I, uh, I, uh, touch my toes one time and throw one football and I'm ready to kick it off. But there's a time when I'm starting to feel that maybe I need to bear down on that a little bit. So there's some things there that we're doing. So it's those things that you go, yeah, I, I don't want to go crazy and go, well, I'm going to be someone totally different than I've been. That, that I don't think that would serve well uh, for me or the team, but Hey, where are some tweaks where maybe this can be a little bit of an improvement. Maybe it allows you to be stronger in, in the last quarter of the season, or maybe it allows you this, that, you know, so um, I'm a little stubborn when it comes to some of that. Some of it was caused, thankfully I've been out there for, you know, turn something in a row. So I don't want to all of a sudden change that because physically I have been able to be out there every Sunday, but at the same time, what, what makes me feel the best every Sunday and be, give my give myself a chance to perform the best I can for our team. So um, it's been, it's been really good. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, I'm, I, as I've said before, I, I, I can't help, but always make sure the, the, the people in, in San Diego, LA and my teammates know how thankful I am for my experience there. I never wanted it to sound like I'm slighting them. It's, it was awesome, but I, it, this is a great environment. It's a great environment here. Uh, the, 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 the environment that's set from the top down and an environment in the locker room. It's a, it's a neat, uh, neat place. I know it's early on and I'm still on a high from, from it being day two or three, but it's a, uh, it's a great working environment with a lot of, a lot of great people and um, excited to see what we can get done this year. 
quarterback Philip Rivers and also head coach Frank Reich. You can hear those full discussions online at fox59.com and cbs4indy.com. We are on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Mike Chappell, Dave Griffiths, and Joe Hopkins here. And uh, Mike, what 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 stuck out to you from from a, those couple of interviews? For for me, uh, what Rivers had to say about uh, about just not even considering opting out was was I'm, I don't know if it's surprising, but because uh, because I just don't know Philip that well. I'm sure more people in uh, in San Diego slash L.A. who've covered him for years might have been able to say, oh, yeah, it was probably that really fits in with his per- personality. But just looking at it from a thousand foot view, which is where I am right now, you know, oh, there's a guy who's a little bit older in his career as a guy who has nine kids. It's a big family. There, there might be reasons for him to at least consider opting out. But from what he had to say, it didn't sound like that was really ever a consideration. No, this is, and again, you can't take, you're not in a vacuum. You have to take the COVID-19 into account. But this this is a throwback player. It just is. You, you, well, why are you playing? Because this is what I do. You know, this this is the thing that struck me about when he, remember he said he was going to give you a short answer. I'm not going to ramble. Then he rambled. Uh, we're going to get used to that with Philip Rivers. But he, he said that had he decided to opt out, it basically would have been, meant retiring and he wasn't he wasn't anywhere near that so uh i while, while anthony costanzo said he took a hard look at it philip rivers took a short look and said now nah, i'm playing joe anything stick out to you from head coach frank reich or philip rivers you thought was uh, particularly pertinent i kind of liked how you know frank's excitement as far as rivers getting together with the with his new weapons his new team uh, you know rivers kind of said the generic yeah we're deep we got a lot of guys who can do a lot of different things that's about what any quarterback would say about their new weapons group um but i just it, i just liked the insight into what's going on right now because we can't be there to see it it's a lot different than it normally is so while coaches can't be on the field rivers can at least throw and get somewhat familiar with some of these guys um, which is something I like. And then I also liked what he had to say about Brissett, you know, that Brissett and him have a good relationship. Brissett's been nothing but professional about the whole thing. And I mean, you never know in, the, in a season like this, there could be a time where number seven is out there as the Colts starting quarterback again, because, you know, COVID strikes number 17. Well, m- m- Mr. Fantasy and Mr. Gamble guy, what's the over under <laughs> on play per game for Jacoby Brissett outside of injuries? of the trick plays in situational two. I mean, are they really going to put him out there for five or six plays a game? I would sincerely doubt that. I would say for the entire season, maybe we see him in non-injury related for two or three max, three max plays. I, I can't see any more than that. Yeah, I agree with Dave. I mean, maybe if, uh, if Rivers' shoulders feeling a little tired and they're playing the Eagles and they want to heave it to the end zone towards the end of a half or something. Oh, I remember be- that. Nice <laughs> shot. Jeez. <laughs> a dig from Joe. But but other than that, I, I can't really see what Brissett's going to be able to do much better than Phillip Rivers. Um, so I'll take the under on whatever you set it at. I, I promised you at the beginning of this Colts Blue Zone podcast that we would deliver a list of the top 10 Colts entering the 2020 season. Joe's pumped. He's excited. Mike Chappell is rewriting his list down to the final minute, so we'll give him another minute or two to, to finish things off as, as we go. But um, if you, Joe, were, uh, were a Madden ranker and had to uh, give your top 10 Colts entering the 2020 season, this is not necessarily the most important Colts for the 2020 season, people who you think will be the most, I guess, productive based on schemes or whatever have you. This is if you had to rank them it's in like terms the of best 10 players, yes, period. And what? I'll preface this with saying I took a lot of heat all last season for who I left off our 2019 list. Adam Vinatieri. With Mr. Adam Vinatieri. You did. And, and I still get digs about that now, but mm-hmm. I'll go As with should. my list. And <laughs> hindsight. I bet, I bet Marlon Mack's not on this list. He's not. No. Of course, See, he's there not. you go. See, <laughs> you guys are the ones making me out to be a Marlon Mack hater. But I'll get going with the list here. At number one, obviously, Big Q. I don't think there's a lot to say about that, and I won't say much about Darius Leonard at number two. They've basically been, arguably, the best two Colts since they joined the team a couple of years ago. Number three, I have DeForest Buckner. Um, I think because he plays defensive tackle, not more of a 
popular position. It's almost gone under the radar how stud of a player the Colts acquired this season. Um, but he's an absolute star. Number four, I have Anthony Costanzo. Um, he's been one of, he's another player who's been underrated for a while now. Um, and I think he's probably definitely one of the best 10 left tackles in the league. You could argue top five, I would say about that. Uh, we'll stick with the offensive line. And I'll go Ryan Kelly next at number five. Number six, I'll go T.Y. Hilton. And this is kind of assuming that he stays healthy. Of course. That's kind of wrapped into it. But um, T.Y. Hilton, when he's still on the field, is still terrific at wide receiver. Um, number seven, I have Kenny Moore. Number eight, Justin Houston. Number nine, I slotted in Phillip Rivers. And then uh, we'll round out the top ten with Braden Smith. Hmm. I noticed one player conspicuously absent from your list who is on mine. But, uh, he's, he's on mine. Yeah, I, I know I know exactly who, who it is. But uh, uh, anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll get to debating us, them and showing Joe how wrong he is in just a minute. But, uh, <laughs> but I'll give my list, and then, uh, Mike, you can give yours. But... Uh, we are we are good at number one, Joe, you and me. I also have Quentin Nelson, number one on my list. He would be a mid to high 90s on my uh, Madden rankings for <laughs> sure. Uh, no doubt about it. I have uh, I have uh, DeForest Buckner second on my list. Um, I just I have him there over Darius, mostly because I think he's done it for just a couple years longer. I think they're both very, very equal in terms of playmaking capability on the defensive side of the ball. Um, Darius might get in the spotlight a little bit more because of his position and because of the sheer number of tackles that he has. But I think and uh, dancing, come yes. on, those moves. <laughs> and I, I think I think DeForest uh, is is every bit the player that, that Darius is. Number three, I have Darius Leonard. Uh, I, obviously, uh, two All Pros, first team, second team in his first two years. I would be hard pressed to keep him out of the top three of this list. He's, re he's, redoing, he's redoing his cleats right I'm now. I'm sure he him. is. Uh, <laughs> number three on Dave Griffith's list of best Colts. I, ca I can't wait to see it. Um, I have T.Y. Hilton all the way up at number four on my list. Um, so I, I, I just I have a ton of respect for T.Y., especially when he's healthy. I look back to the beginning of last season when he was really clicking with Jacoby Brissett and he was off to what would have been the best season of his career before Brissett gets hurt and he gets hurt. So I'm, I'm more on the, on the train of, I believe T Y Hilton can return to that form and hopefully not the form he was in at the end of last season. Um, and that of course, like I said, completely is dependent on health, but I guess in Madden ratings, you know, health is part of it. So that, modifies your your total rating but nevertheless i have ty up at number four for me uh number five i have anthony costanzo uh i think that ac is one of the most underrated left tackles in the nfl as i've said in the past uh he's he's a he, he's great he he just is um i have justin houston next two three four five that's at number six um, Justin Houston had a very, very good year last year in his first year with the Colts. Uh, he's shown it over the years that he can rack up 20 sacks as he did with Kansas city a couple years ago. He's been consistently right around 10 sacks for, for a long time. I don't, he didn't reach that with the Colts. What was he at? Eight, nine last year. I can't I remember. He hit 11. He hit 11 last year. Oh, geez. Oh, that was see even less, even more than I thought. I didn't think he had that many. So. Um, I really debated for a while Anthony Costanzo and uh, and Justin Houston uh, the, the the order of that le of those two because I think they're they're very both of them very uh, very good players I I almost put Houston above him I just uh, I just put AC right there but uh, after that Justin Houston uh, Anthony Costanzo I have Philip Rivers at one two three four five six seven Philip Rivers at seven uh, after Rivers there I have Ryan Kelly at eight. So we have a we have a bit of a discrepancy there with Ryan Kelly, and I have no problem if somebody puts Ryan Kelly a little bit higher on their list. Um, I, I I just that that's how he he fell on mine. After Ryan Kelly, I have the one that you did not put on your list at number nine, Joe. I have Jack Doyle, multi-time Pro Bowl tight end Jack Doyle, there at nine, and at number ten I have Kenny Moore, Momo Kenny Moore. That's my list of ten. So we are. Did you have, did you have Mac on there? No Mac. No, I did not have Marlon Mack on my list either. So uh, Mike might have my, Marlon Mack on his list. If I was going like I, I, the the other players that I had in contention, 
Marlon Mack, Braden Smith, uh, Malik Hooker, and Anthony Walker Jr. were kind of next on my on my tier. And if I really wanted to put uh, Rigoberto Sanchez in that tier too, I would too because I think he's a really good punter. He's definitely in the upper echelon of punters in the NFL. But I just couldn't put a I I couldn't bring myself to put a punter in the top ten list. And I think I made this point last year when we were having this exact same discussion about top ten Colts. I would consider him up there, but uh, there's just other guys who who I guess took took that uh, mantle Joe. See, I'm surprised you didn't have Malik Hooker. You're, you're always do, talking about man, your big I safety do. guy. I, I, I thought you would have put him on there. Yeah, I, I couldn't put him over anybody else on this list, though. That's uh, that was that was a bridge too far for me. So, Mike, it now comes to you. You are the ultimate deciding factor. So we will see what uh, the the dean himself of Colts coverage, Mike Chabel, thinks. We agree on a lot of them. Uh, certainly done the same order. Quentin Nelson. And I'm telling you. To put a guard in my mind as your as your best player, either you got a really crappy team or you got a really elite guard, and this is better. so I, I think See, if, he, he's, he's. If I hate one. Marlon Mack, Chapel hates Quentin Nelson. <laughs> but he still don't, puts I don't one on hate the list. Nelson. I don't hate Nelson. I hate the fact that that they're proving me wrong that that a guard at number six overall can can have that that much of an impact. But okay, uh, number two, I've got Leonard. And and I've got Buckner number three, and and I could easily take Dave's rationale that Buckner's done it for four years, uh, right? And been to the Super Bowl and, and all that, so I get that. Number four, I've got Costanzo. Uh, I still rank him as my second most indispensable Colt behind the quarterback, because I don't want to see the darkness behind Anthony Costanzo on the depth chart. Number five, I've got T.Y., and that's that's sort of hoping. That's that's hoping on on the, that what we talked about earlier that the the injuries have have uh, he'll steer clear. Number six, I've got Kelly. He's sort of in my mind. I hate to say an ascending player because he's been pretty good for several years, but he's coming off his first Pro Bowl. Probably gets an extension. Number seven, I've got Justin Houston. All they need is a double-ditch sacks. G- give me 10 sacks, and I don't, care, I don't care what else you do. Stand there for 50 plays, but give me dozen, 10 sacks. Then I've got Marlon Mack. You talk about an ascending player. I understand that he's a running back, and one of us three thinks he's trash. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You couldn't even say that I, with a straight face. Come on. <laughs> But uh, but but again, you're talking a guy that's 24. 20, I think he's 24. He, he we've not seen the best of Marlon, Mack, so I think this is an ascending player. And as we've said in the in, in the past, Colts fans need to enjoy him this year because I don't know if he's here next year. Uh, and, and then I've got Kenny Moore, and then I've got Rivers at 10. And Hope pick. He needs to be your 10th. He needs to be top 10. If he's not a top 10 player as far as what he can do and whether the Madden ranking, I don't know. When you when you get into quarterbacks, I'm not sure how you, you grade on a curve or what. But if, if if this if my list of 10 and really your guys, we only differ on one or two players. If these guys, if you can avoid the big injury in this group, somebody's going to go down because they always do. If you can avoid the big injuries, from this group and these guys play at or near what they can play. This can be a very, very interesting year. I think one of the big takeaways from doing this exercise is just how much more talented this roster is in this time last year. There were several players last year that made all of our top 10 lists that didn't make it. Malik Hooker as one of them. Um, I think we all listed the same nine players except for one. Yep. So maybe I'll have to put a tweet out and let the, you know, fans decide if, Marlon Mack, Jack Doyle, or Braden Smith deserves to be in the top 10. I think I'm going to win that, just so you guys know. I, I feel really confident Jack that Jack Doyle, Doyle is going to win he, this he's poll. A fa- you know, fan favorite. I think you're probably right about Jack Doyle there. Braden Smith will probably forever be underrated on that offensive line that has so many other studs. Um, and, and Mack's a dangerous player as well. But I just think it's an interesting list this year. We'll have to see who's right with that last player. I, I do like Mike putting Marlon Mack in there because 
if if he comes out this year and has a chip on his shoulder and has something to prove because he's in the last year of his contract, the Colts drafted Jonathan Taylor, maybe not to replace him, but maybe to replace him. I mean, this could be a tremendous year for Marlon Mack if he takes all that energy and in true Darius Leonard fashion comes out and uses it to his advantage on the field. It could be a very fun year for Marlon Mack fans. Can, can, can you can you imagine him going at what he I think he was on pace for was it thirteen hundred yards? He doesn't something miss like two that. games. Can you imagine him coming up and rushing for thirteen, fourteen hundred yards and it comes time to re-sign him and and what do you do? Yeah, because you you still got Taylor on a rookie contract, and you're going to have cap space. You are going to have cap space with a lot of guys to resign. So, I really behoove Marlon Mack to make it really tough for this team to walk away from him. Next year is just the worst possible year it seems like for a free agent running back to come up because there's so many names on that list. Number one, that are entering the final year of their contracts right now. There are talented guys in college who are going to come in next year, like Travis Etienne of Clemson. Uh, he's just number one on the list. You love him. I, I do. I do. I do. <laughs> he's so good. But and, and then the salary cap is also going down next year because of the COVID-19 pandemic. It, it is the worst possible time to be a running back. If Marlon Mack wants a stud contract next year, he's going to have to deliver a, a, just an enormous, ungodly season. And it can be hard to do because... He is going to split time. Exactly. Exactly. Gonna, he can have a better year, and and the numbers not be there. I mean, he he should rush for a thousand yards, even if splitting time. One of these guys is going to rush for a thousand yards, barring injury. And you would think that he's going to get the early look. He comes out and he's getting 70, 80, 90, 140. How do you not give him the bulk of the carries? But uh, th- there's two or three players that are going to have that chip on their shoulder. We talked about Malik Cooker, but I really want to see, and, and we've not heard from, we have not heard one word from Marlon Mack since the draft. Yep. Uh, so I want to see how he responds, you know, verbally and then on the field. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, do a lot of writing and other things for a uh, Roto street journal fantasy football as well. And I got to constantly remind people, Marlon Mack is not just going to go away no matter how much you want him to. He is a good player and you can draft Jonathan Taylor all day, but just remember that his carries are going to be capped. Marlon Mack is not just going to disappear in this offense unless he gets hurt. And next year he might have to take one of those prove it deals where he goes somewhere for a year just to prove he's the player that he believes he is before he gets that bigger contract. Cause like you said, he's just not going to have the leverage to demand big money. You can follow. It, it, it's ahead, funny. We, we talk about how Darius Leonard, had, he goes home and he looks for reasons to be motivated. The Colts gave him the reason the Colts gave Marlon Mack all the reason he needs to say, really, that's what you think is not what doing. But if Marlon Mack wants motivation, just go back to the draft. And when the second round comes up, when they took Jonathan Taylor. Molly Cooker in a very similar situation there. A couple Correct. of Colts that, that we think are talented young players that, that have a, a whole heck of a lot to prove this year. So uh, plenty more on the Colts uh, on online at fox59.com, cbs4indy.com. We're doing a, a whole boatload of, uh, of training camp coverage. So daily, nightly, and uh, ever so rightly, you will find uh, plenty of Colts content there to, to dive into and, uh, and analyze yourself. So, if you have any culture NFL related questions that you would like us on the blue zone to answer, please submit those to us on Twitter at Colts blue zone. I am at Dave G underscore sports. Mike chapel is at M chapel 51. Joe Hopkins is at Roto street. Joe, you guys can dive into fantasy discussions together and, and Joe will love it. Heck I might even chime in, chime in here or there, but don't, don't expect too much analysis from, from uh, Mike there as he is uh, lost in Narnia. The not, um, <laughs> not, 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 not so uh, on in board. a different fantasy. <laughs> exactly. Land, right? Yes. A different <laughs> fantasy land than the NFL. So you can help us out a ton by leaving us a review on iTunes. That would, that would be fantastic. If you enjoy the Colts blue zone, also subscribe, Make sure you get this downloaded to your podcast listening device week after week. Once again, this has been the Colts Blue Zone podcast. We thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time.